there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much, a Grit podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wirtz. Hello, everyone. I'm here today, joined with three of our amazing Grit staff members. We got Lauren. Woo. Hi. <laughs> we got Kaylee. Hey. And we have Alicia. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about breaking the glass ceiling. And if you don't know what that means, stay tuned and we'll tell you all about it. But before we get into that, we are going to do little introductions because we introduced ourselves in our first episode. But that was a few episodes back. And maybe this is your first time listening. So I'm going to, well, you kind of already know everyone's names, but I guess I'll just have them say them again. And then we're going to talk about our grit role. And then we are going to talk about the best calf station in our opinion. So prepare your arguments, ladies. We got um, the pizza one, pizzeria. We got garden something where this I don't go where the salads are so I don't know what it's called Jenna doesn't eat vegetables no, no. so gardens gardens I think it's just garden the garden the garden it might just be the garden, the garden. then we got olive garden chef's table home cooking home cooking 6th cookin'. street grill 6th street um, don't forget sugar rush oh in the green gallery, gallery. Yeah. <laughs> come on hey, mm-hmm. sorry my favorite calf station I would say it's 6th Street Grill when there's fries, but when there's not fries, I like home cooking. I feel like home cooking is usually better than Chef's Table, in my opinion. It could be that they usually have a carb on the side. (laughs) Alicia seems to be disagreeing with me, so I'm going to have her present her argument now. I just have to say, um, well, first I'll introduce myself. Hello, I am Alicia. I am the social media coordinator at Grit, so I'll be posting up on the gram. Um, we got a little bored of social media girls, but yeah, so that's what I do, and hmm. all I know is I feel like home cooking strikes out more than it. <laughs> I like chef's table, especially, mm-hmm. you know, a good stir fry, sometimes Sixth Street. It really just depends, but I do stray away from home cooking, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, hey, <laughs> so I'm Kaylee. I am a staff writer on Grit, but I'm also one of the social media girlies. Um, if you see my little reels, they're very cute. Anyways, very cute, <laughs> very cute. Um, I think I'd have to say one of my favorite. I can't, mm, I have to agree. I think Chef Sable is my favorite only because Maria's like amazing pasole. It's like the pasole verde is the best thing on the entire planet. And it, I love it so much. And I will eat like three bowls in the calf. But I do have to say home cooking is good because there's more meat compared to like any other station. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's where more I home get my style. protein. What about the vegetarians? Ooh, the vegetarians? Okay, the garden, the, the pre-made salad. I'm not even going to lie. The pre-made salad, there's a chickpea, a chick, <laughs> I said that oh, chickpea one with like the little jalapeno bits mm, in it is yes. the best salad at the garden. Yeah. Let me hear for the chickpeas. <laughs> Lauren. Um, I'm Lauren. I'm a staff writer. As someone who has not had like a meal plan in like three years, I cannot tell you the stations, but I do know that I loved the stir fry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fans of the yes. stir fry. You're telling me in these past three years, you have not stunk in, snuck into the calf once? No, because it's not worth it. Uh, oh. Not worth <laughs> it. Bro, I've heard so many horror stories of the calf. I'm not trying to slander the calf on this pod, but... Literally all love to our calf workers. No, yeah. We love our calf workers. No, yeah. Judy, love got you, girl. So many friends <laughs> that have been working back there, but... Uh, <laughs> I still have heard the trenches. <laughs> yeah, trenches. I would say that that's probably Chef's Table. So I think it is. I'm here in Chef's Table for the win. I'm hearing that okay. as well. So and then in second, I think pizza. Pizza's always yeah. a good staple. Pizza yeah. safe. It's not like it's that incredible, but it's consistent and it gets mm-hmm. points for that. Mm-hmm. And then third place, what do we think? Six Street. Six Street. Six. Street. I yeah. feel like Six Street be missing. Like they It'd have be like missing, two good but things. Today they had tostadas. Ooh. And they were, okay. I mean, to be fair, it was just literally beans on a little corn tortilla moment, but like something I could do in my sleep, but it was still good. <laughs> okay. I don't have access to beans, so it's still nice. I think the garden is before um, home cooking only because A, you can make your own little salad moment, but mm-hmm. also panini press. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me hear it for the yeah. panini press. Yeah, also yeah. making your own quesadillas there yep. is underrated in the panini press. You just put cheese and chicken. Wow. And some beans. It's really good when the calf sucks. And you don't want a salad. That's so smart. Yep. That's so smart. 
like say it to them not to i feel like i'm cooking like when i do that i'm like oh my god like i'm literally a chef chef. i'm like it's like all prepared for i feel like the muppet chef that he's like (laughs) (laughs) and just a little disclaimer before we get started today we at grit want to be super mindful of the fact that even being able to talk about these issues that we face as women in america is such a privilege there are so many women around the world that are fighting for their right to vote autonomy apart from their husbands economic opportunity religious freedom even the right to just be educated we just want to show that we support so many women all around the world and are fighting for them too in any way possible and that we're just really grateful that we have this platform here today to talk to you all about everything that we're going through here and all of our experiences even though we know that not everyone has the same exact experiences as us and to put that into a little bit of context for you guys around 2.4 billion women of working age are not afforded equal economic opportunity and 178 countries maintain legal barriers that prevent their full economic participation according to the world bank's women business and law 2022 report so that's pretty recent but um in addition to that in 86 countries women face some form of job restriction and 95 countries do not guarantee equal pay for equal work that's all coming from the world bank and so that just kind of puts into perspective like this isn't just happening in america but in the entire world around us thank you kaylee and alicia for giving us a little background information on what we're talking about today it's super important to keep a global perspective about these issues And while the issues we're talking about today matter deeply, let us be reminded of the greater work that's left to be undone with the blatant sinful sexism around the world. With that being said, we are talking about shattering the glass ceiling, not just breaking, shattering, according to the Harvard Business Review. So it's coming from the Smarties at Harvard. So this article was written by two women, as it should be. So breaking the glass ceiling is a metaphor for the invisible barrier that prevents some people from rising to senior positions. It's a subtle but damaging form of discrimination where you cannot take the opportunities you see in front of you despite your suitability and your best efforts. So this is like a big part of Grit's mission, which we've talked about in our first episode, um, where women kind of count themselves out because we aren't encouraged in a lot of these like professional contexts to step forward. Um, so I have some of our grit gals here who are in majors that are male dominated. So do you guys want to kind of say your majors just so we can get some context? I'm a film major. Um, same with Kaylee. So, yeah. And we're both in screenwriting, screenwriting. concentrations. Cool. Yeah, I'm this Alicia. I'm in business, marketing specifically. But yeah, we're in that business grind. She's getting business done. And I'm not in a male-dominated <laughs> field because journalism is for women. Just kidding. That's not true. Um, but I'm not in that, so that's why I have these wonderful ladies here today to talk to me a little bit more about that. But yeah, so this article, let me get it. So I'm going to read like a little excerpt, excerpt, um, and then we are going to kind of talk about it. So I'm going to throw some stats at you, throw some some Harvard language at <laughs> you. Not really. So I kind of cut this down, um, but we will have this um, referenced or linked in some kind of like post coming up. So if you're like, wait, where can I read the rest of this? Um, It's in the Harvard Business Review and it's titled A Modern Manifesto for Shattering the Glass Ceiling. But the truth is women at the highest levels of business are still rare. They comprise only 10% of senior managers in Fortune 500 companies, less than 4% of the uppermost ranks of CEO, president, executive vice president, and COO, and less than 3% of top corporate earners. Statistics also suggest that as women approach the top of the corporate ladder, many jump off frustrated or disillusioned with the business world. Clearly there have been gains, but as we enter the year 2000, I forgot to say this was written in 2000, the glass ceiling remains. What will it take to finally shatter it? Not a revolution, not this time. In 1962, 1977, and even 1985, the women's movement used radical rhetoric and legal action to drive out overt discrimination. But most of the barriers that persist today are insidious. A revolution couldn't find them to blast away. Rather, gender discrimination now is so deeply embedded in organizational life as to be virtually indiscernible. Even the women who feel its impact are often hard-pressed to know what's hit them. So with hearing this, what are kind of some thoughts that come up for you guys? I mean, I think that the first thing that's kind of sticking out to me and just like jarring research is just the statistics that, I don't know, they're kind of sobering um, as like a business major, uh, just like hearing that like women being senior managers is like pretty rare. Um, 
and like as I enter post-grad life in the business world like the odds that my bosses are going to be women are lower so I think that like that's something that's interesting and obviously that could change and shift as time moves on considering like the date that this was um, released but I don't know just like the corporate ladder and what that means for women I think just like stuck out to me what do you guys think? I think jumping off of that, I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but 22 years later, I feel like there hasn't been enough change and we're barely yeah. kind of seeing the change now. And I feel like that's super disappointing because it's like, where's where's my daughter going to feel this way? Or is like, there going to be an opportunity for her at the table or not? And so I feel like we've definitely had to climb our way up the ladder a lot more and like struggled a lot more to get where we are. Glad that we are making those changes now and obviously better late than never, but it's also like, why couldn't we do it before? So I felt like that's what kind of impacted me is just knowing that like those statistics probably haven't changed very much, especially in like going a little into our industry or Lauren and I's industry. Uh, most of the executives are all male. So I feel like it's nothing much has been evolving, but you never know. <laughs> right. And like piggybacking off of that, just like based off of what I have seen from my internships and stuff in the field, like yes all of the executives are male and it's like I don't know I guess just like hearing that and like confirming that this is so much more like embedded in companies and stuff is a little depressing to hear as a woman um also to know that just like how hard we work is like it's coming from somewhere too just to like knowing that like to get to where we want to be we probably are gonna have to take a lot more steps on like the ladder, the corporate ladder, if you will. So, Thanks for sharing, guys. Um, one more quote that stood out to me that I kind of want us to unpack. Um, so they said, most organizations have been created by and for men and are based on male experiences. And this, I think, really helps like paint a lot of men like in a less harsh light. Like It's not like it's often overt and they're trying to like disclude women. It's just like the way these structures are made. It's often not inclusive to women. One example that was given in the article I thought was super interesting. So it was talking about this company that was like super disorganized. It was mostly men, but they were promoting that they wanted a lot more women. And so as women kind of were getting higher up in this company, they were struggling because these, like they would just constantly be having meetings and like changing things and they'd be meeting outside of work hours. And so this woman was saying like, she worked a 10 hour day every day. Like, even when she, like, stretched her hours, she wasn't able to keep up because they were always talking. Also, all the guys would be, like, talking together, and she wouldn't be included in that. And in the board meetings, like, she, if she spoke up, they would, like, belittle her um, and, like, say that she's being bossy and all this stuff. When, like, the guys were called passionate, you know, when they're speaking up. And so it also talked about, like, she felt super behind because she, it talked about, um, she felt really behind because a lot of the domestic duties fall on women and so like while she was at home like caring for her kids and her husband she like that was the time when those guys were getting ahead and the way the organization was made was like you had to be on top of all of it and so then they were like we aren't sexist like we aren't trying to keep women out and they weren't trying to be like overtly like that but it just kind of happened do you feel like that kind of explains a lot of these statistics yeah i mean i don't think like I would hope to believe that this isn't like an intended statistic, right? Like it's not like we're, I mean, like a lot of businesses and corporations, they're like, you hear about people who are like wanting to hire women and wanting to have like a woman's like perspective on the business, which is a cool thing to hear. But when the system was created, like almost not like particularly or like intended to be against women but when it's not built for women and men you're not creating an environment that women can flourish in and like speak their mind I like think about I don't know like school settings or academic settings when you know you're like in a classroom like I find this kind of almost like censor where I feel like I can't speak my mind all the time because I'll be perceived to be like a type of way in the classroom um or like i want to i want to seem smart or i don't want to be seem seeming like too emotionally driven and i don't think that that's a thought process that men have which is i think this is kind of a branch branch off of what we were talking about but 
yeah i don't know i think just the i think some companies create an environment where women have to be so conscious of how they're being perceived and i think that with that mentality it prohibits like good work from being done or just like productive things to happen for at least the women that are in the environment i I think this is kind of a generalization but that's kind of my my idea of this concept um going off of what alicia had said of like being being scared to like raise your hand like you're wrong or like you sound dumb or something like that or you just you really want to sound smart i feel like for me like i went to an all-girl school in high school and i felt like being in that atmosphere where i didn't have to worry about a boy and like worry about other people in the in the room that weren't like of the opposite gender i feel like that definitely helped me become more confident in what i have to say but at the same time like i feel like us as women can't help but think oh i want to sound smart i want to sound a certain way because i don't want to be perceived as something i'm not is only because that at least for me in my experience it always only takes quote unquote one woman to ruin it Mm -hmm. and it's because it's like oh like think of eve like she be people blame her for the fall and so i'm not trying to get super religious about it but like people some people do blame her for like what happened and like why they had the fall and like why they had the whole experience so i feel like in perspective of like everyday life it's like it only takes one woman to like make put a sour taste of like we shouldn't hire a woman for the job again Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that's kind of like the perspective on that but then the same thing goes for like being a woman like a woman's touch or a woman's like perspective in a field for example like my dad works at a tv show called the voice and that they need a camera operator and they're talking about how like oh well we should hire a woman because i guess like the way a woman handles a camera is different than a man sometimes and so they were hiring this woman um i can't remember her name at the moment but um, just name drops her <laughs> i like cannot remember her name for the life she had like a nickname and it was really cool and i can't remember it we're gonna call her tara <laughs> so um tara she they had approached her and asked her to work on the show and she straight up told them like do you want to hire me because i'm a woman or because i'm the best person for the job because if you want me just because i'm a woman i'm sure any other man can do this job and so dang yeah strong woman love her Mm -hmm. but i think definitely just like knowing your worth at that point and not standing or sitting to be like the quote-unquote woman hire Mm -hmm. um and i can get more into it later they're, they changed like the regulations for if a movie can be nominated for an Oscar a couple like about two years ago, three years ago, and it included like you had to have an X amount of women on the crew, an X amount of people of color, X amount of people of different sexualities, and so I feel like that kind of caused a lot of problems in the industry, or at least like on the side that I had seen, that people were getting hired just because they're women or because they fit that niche, so that way their films could get into the Oscars. And so I feel like that's something super difficult that, like, our industry has faced. But again, I can get into it later. Totally. I've never even heard of that. That's so... I mean, it makes sense, obviously. You guys would know that. But that's so interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Going off of that, it's just, like, I guess the film perspective. Yeah, I feel like, like, the conversations are always about, like, oh, well, like, we should get a women's perspective and stuff, which is not a bad thing. Like, I feel like it always comes from, like, a good place. But, yeah, to some extent, then, like, you have kind of expectations of, like, what a woman does in the workplace, I guess. Um, And same with, like, film as well. I don't know. I think it's just, like, yeah, it's, like, checking off a box or whatever um, for how the company, like, looks to, like, just, I don't know, promoting diversity and stuff. But... um, Like how they're perceived. Yeah, definitely how they're perceived. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I also like don't want to like hate on that either because I'm glad that that's like a stepping stone for mm-hmm. us for sure. But yeah, yeah. it's super important, but it's hard because it's like not pure motivations. Exactly. Like actually wanting different perspectives. It's like, no, you just want the benefits of that. Right. For and advancement yeah. and not for your own, like, I don't know benefit like just for yourself as a person of the benefit of being around people that think differently look differently vote Mm -hmm. differently than you right yeah and I feel like a big conversation in it too is also like women not getting like maternity leave stuff and Mm -hmm. like that being like a really big like setback for women um like trying to whatever it looks like actually it's like in any field too like um yeah like I know dancers too like that can't you know have their own families because or else they would lose their job and just like 
I think it applies to a great like realm of jobs professional jobs that like oh well if you can't be here then you're fired Mm -hmm. and not like meeting women to where their needs are at because like it's so much different but yeah people or like women often get the the whole like if they're I guess quote-unquote having a bad day it's always like are you PMSing or like are you on your period please no and so (laughs) I definitely feel like that also we have every right to be pissed if we are period like why is that somehow like oh like actually my hormones are in imbalance Mm. physiologically can't help it that I'm pissed at you (laughs) <laughs> like good thing for me a reason okay yeah and I feel like I saw this quote like I, f- I feel like I've seen it a million times but it's like I can do anything a man's doing while bleeding <laughs> and I know that's a bold statement to say but it's honestly kind of true but it's also like the fact that like in the workplace they don't take uh, like menstrual cycle seriously mm-hmm. just because like it hurts <laughs> like to those of you who don't have a uterus like be be so grateful <laughs> like those cramps be be going be putting me through it mm-hmm. but I just know a man Rocks. would take a sick day <laughs> if you had to take one day of this. <laughs> like, I think having at least one day, one day, two days, because I know, like, I think it's, like, France or Italy or something, in Europe, they have, like, you get, like, the week off. And I'm like, what? <gasps> I'm moving. <laughs> no, literally. I'm packing my bags. I have my bags right now. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Um, okay, I have a question. I wonder, I need to figure out how to phrase this, so bear with me, but how do I, the treatment of, like, women like the conversations that are being had or the quotas that may be like instilled in companies or okay do you feel like those are productive or do you feel like that is perpetuating kind of the issue by not being like oh women are like treating women like men by or like what am I trying to say do you feel like these conversations are productive because I've had conversations with like guys like guy friends maybe even women too where they're like I feel like even having these conversations are counterproductive because you're, like, making a big deal about it. And, like, Mm. it's perpetuating kind of, like, the, like, stereotypes or, like, it's making a big deal about something when, like, I don't know. Like, do you feel, do you guys get what I'm saying? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? (laughs) I feel like these conversations are super necessary and super Mm -hmm. important, especially, like, within women our age and just women all around. Like, I feel like it's just a constant reminder that we need in general that like we okay we're all going through the same thing like it's not it's not just me and so I feel like that's the super most important aspect of it but it's also like we've definitely seen it no matter how many women agree on the same thing it's not going to change and we can't be just the ones to change it and so I feel like the conversations are necessary to have and I'm not trying to slander on men but it's also like we need men's support like Mm. as a human race like we also we need to work together and so like we need men's support just as much as we need other women's support so having these conversations it just we're trying to get more people to agree with us we're trying to get more people to allow us to be heard and so i feel like these conversations are super necessary not for women to hear but for men to hear too 100 percent. and i also think it's a privilege to be able to say like having these conversations is so annoying and it's like that's never going to affect your work situation mm-hmm. or the thought of like am i a diversity hire or like am i going to get a job here if they don't have any quotas and they're just discriminating against you it kind of gives you the same like vibe is like I don't see color or like I don't see gender kind of vibes where like I think those people generally like maybe they're intending to like be harmless but I think like acknowledging like the background that is being brought in the life experience that's being brought in and like treating it with dignity and respect and like acknowledging kind of like the glass ceiling that this person is like dealing with I think that's like the most empowering thing that you can do for someone rather than just being like oh I don't see it like even treating it like something is perpetuating I don't know like I think that's kind of yeah just and these people are like like not ill-intended like they they are intending to be like inclusive sorry (laughs) not exclusive but inclusive but like it's even just like the verbiage that's being used to you know Mm -hmm. so just acknowledging people's lived experience but yeah I feel like this is kind of just like a greater conversation of like privilege and Parker and I were talking about this a few days ago but how like privilege isn't just saying like my life is easy and I haven't had any problems or hardships it's just saying like 
you'll never have to worry about X. Mm -hmm. Like when I get pulled over, I'm never gonna have to worry about my safety mm -hmm. as a white person. I, I, I can be pissed off and I know they're not gonna shoot me. But a lot of my black brothers and sisters can't say that same thing. And so when we're talking about um, things with, like what Alicia's saying where people say like, I don't see color. Like the sentiment of that is great. That like, I think that we're all equal and that we all are human but then not acknowledging like the parts that make their life really difficult that you'll never understand just saying like no i don't see that it's like what just be more curious be <laughs> wait i learned this in counseling I said be curious not furious mm. oh right I like that. <laughs> so good Happy. when you're when you're disagreeing with someone that's what she said i like that that reminds me <laughs> of a conversation that i had in therapy last semester and i remember like it was just a conversation totally apart from this, but she said to me, like, I think I was invalidating an experience that I was having, and she was like, Alicia, like, just because you feel like you're drowning in 10 feet of water and the person next to you is drowning in, like, 50 feet of water doesn't mean that you guys both aren't drowning. Like, you both might be, but that person is just a little bit deeper, and I think that that's kind of, like, the story that we all carry in across the board, right? So even being a woman in a specific field might put you that much deeper you know what I mean but that's not invalidating others experience too but yeah that's kind of the idea I think that we're getting at here yeah I think that's a really helpful analogy so I kind of want to hear about your guys's experiences in your major um and then kind of think about like when has being a woman been an asset if you can think about any times where it has been or an annoyance. And then if you have any like specific stories or anecdotes that come to mind, would love to share, would love to share, would love to hear you share this. To answer your question, um, yes. I think that, um, I mean, nothing crazy, right? Cause I'm, I'm in college and I haven't entered into the post-grad like corporate world quite yet. And I'm sure that that will bring a plethora of experiences, <laughs> but, um, I think something that comes to mind, I think this could be an asset or like an annoyance too, like it kind of comes hand in hand, but I was in a business class last year and I just remember like the professor, he was like, love him, I really do love him and he was an amazing professor, but I think that like even acknowledging like his relationship and how it differed between the boys and the girls or men and women in the class. Um, I definitely observed and it it made me feel a type of way I don't think it was positive or negative but I remember like he had this like kind of bro relationship with all the guys and like would kind of like joke about them with their like projects that they were working on but also like you know like be real with them but give them so much praise but then like I remember for me and I mean I I felt this because I feel like I was just very aware of it like I feel like I was constantly being challenged which was probably a good thing but like little praise little like affirmation um yeah just like I don't know not that like I don't know relation relational interaction at all like yeah so I just remember like experiencing that and being like kind of discouraged and just being like oh am I not getting affirmation because like I'm not doing well but then I was like wait he's just like acting that way with all the guys like so and maybe that could be just because it's like a guy to guy thing or whatever but but keep it professional yeah I just I thought that that was kind of something that was interesting to observe like in the classroom too just like how that might empower or not empower the students in the classroom I don't know that's kind of an experience that I was thinking about of just like the relationship from a professor to a student you know yeah I feel like that's a really good example of what the article was talking about like it says gender discrimination now is so deeply embedded in organizational life it's virtually indiscernible mm. and so it's so hard when you like genuinely feel that way like not seen in your class and you're like I can't tell like if this is me or the professor if I'm just like too sensitive or something but yeah that's just a testament to the fact that it's like it's so hard to bring these examples up because if you said that to him, you know that's not what he wouldn't ever want you to feel that way, but he's not aware that mm -hmm. the way he's behaving is like unprofessional in that way and that he should be mindful of that. And it's like, how do you bring that up? 
especially as a woman because then they're gonna be like oh you're just being too sensitive being too emotional like I remember one of the girls in the class that I was friends with she like went up and talked to him and she was like why do I feel like you don't like me (laughs) because he would like 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 challenge her which I mean I think is a good thing but I think she was like seeing like observing how he was interacting with other classmates she was like why do I feel like you don't like me and I mean maybe not like maybe this wasn't intentionally because she was like she is a woman right but I think maybe it was just this like implicit like dynamic that was just being like created you know so it is funny but and he was just like oh my goodness no like I love my students like I like and it was a sweet moment but I think it's just like leading up to that it creates a lot of room for like feeling a type of way or doubting your worth or doubting your like performance you know so it is interesting though mm-hmm. thanks for sharing alicia do you have something lauren um yeah i'd say like i've definitely heard a lot from women in our cma program about like how they've felt kind of unseen unheard um in the circle from professors from um other like film bros yeah (laughs) film bros as we call them can you can you elaborate (laughs) on what a film bro is for those who don't know um (laughs) oh (laughs) i'm not trying to offend any film bros out there no 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 beef no no beef all chicken (laughs) i like that (laughs) Um, I think the definition of a film bro is like the guys who are like always on set and always drinking Red Bull and Monster and always in the editing bays and yep. always hanging out with the guys yep. in their docks um, in their docks <laughs> and um, or their Burks and the Burks in their docks. Um, I can't try to think of what else they do. Oh, and like their favorite director is like Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> no, yeah. We know who you are. <laughs> that sounded like a threat. <laughs> yeah, we know who you are. Um, no, yeah, no, I, I like the film bros, but uh, I know that it's definitely like giving boys club vibes. Mm-hmm. And for the women in CMA, I've heard from some of my friends that they've approached like professors about it too. And like they've been like, I don't know, I just feel like CMA is kind of like a boys club. I just, I don't feel like women really get to have opportunities on set in terms of like handling equipment or doing something other than wardrobe and makeup and production design because those go to the women because they're artsy, you know? Like obviously that's not the case for every set. Um, And I've had great experiences throughout with like my male professors and peers but um I think it's no secret that like there is kind of this underlying Mm -hmm. feeling for women in film including our school that's just like there is kind of this unbalance I guess yeah that reminds me of so the high school I went to my class was really small it was like about 100 people and it was a engineering like design based high school it's kind of hard to explain but basically the ratio of guys to girls was three guys to one girl and so I can think back to that time and I remember like in the wood shop or in the metal shop I would be um like handling equipment and then guys would be like let me get that for you and I was like it would be like a freshman boy and I was like a senior and I was like I've been certified on this equipment so I'm okay thank you for your help though like okay why do I think like women are allergic to equipment like it's gonna they're gonna have to use their brains oh for real i'm like y'all i mean nothing was more annoying yeah. I'll, I'll pretend like i can't pick it up because i'm not gonna break a nail but y'all, <laughs> y'all stay y'all stay safe <laughs> hey and maybe here's the thing like i feel like we might get like people like i mean that intention right maybe he was like trying to help you and like 100%. i think that there's some like backlash or confusion where guys are like i don't even know if i can like hold open for hold, hold open a door for a girl because like they'll think i'm trying to like put them down but that's not really even what we're saying but not even that jen was even intending that but just totally. in general talking mm-hmm. on that topic just being kind being respectful but like 
giving people the benefit of the doubt and being like they can do that like Mm -hmm. they can do that for themselves so whether that is like you know it's always nice to extend a helping hand like yeah if you if you want to help out please help a girl out like last year i had to carry an ice machine from (gasps) from from, like where where do you get your mail what's it called the student store mm-hmm. yes. i had to gr- take an ice machine from the student store all the way to horton and i was carrying that thing plus other packages Please, no. and no. i was begging for a man to come up and you help said, me well, out a big strong man <laughs> will, come help. will any boy come help me any woman for come real. help me but no one came to help and i did it all by myself and that day the elevators were broken in horton and i lived <gasps> yeah. on fifth floor no, but it's okay i did it i was tired but it's okay i had ice no i think alicia made a great comment of like a lot of it is just like them trying to help Mm -hmm. which Mm. is so true i feel like it's just important to be like do you need help just ask instead of i would like get it taken out of my hands and i was like oh Mm. or instead of let me get that just 100 and if you see someone toting an ice machine across campus say do (laughs) you could i help can i help you Mm -hmm. and they'll probably be like yes (laughs) and i'm like i'm not weak because i'm a woman i'm weak because I don't exercise. <laughs> yeah. So. I think being <laughs> being at Viola, I feel like it's been a, a different experience than the experiences that I've, I guess, had. In high school, I started a film program, um, seen, summer going into my senior year, and it was half boys, half girls. And so I definitely, and it was run by a amazing, powerful woman. And so I definitely didn't face any challenges there because we were definitely all on the same playing field. And we were all like 16, 17 years old. The youngest kid in our class was 14 and she was great. So I feel like I definitely didn't face any problems there because we were, again, literally 50% boys, 50% girls because that's how they designed the program. But I think when I came to Biola, especially being a screenwriter, screenwriting, I do have to say, is quite a bit of women. Like, it's mostly girls in screenwriting. But I think just as a whole in CMA, like, for the very first time we saw like a women in film event like last week or something like that mm-hmm. which um i did not attend and you're so juniors and we are juniors oh, junior senior junior so senior <laughs> um but the fact that it's been this long and they barely had their first like women in film event to like support women like i think that's definitely like we've been crying for help for a little bit but i have to agree with lauren like it's definitely just been like a boys club the entire time like same thing with the way that professors interact with like the guys on camp or like the guys in class like they kind of get more feedback on their scripts at times um or they're definitely being told that like oh like you'll have space in a room no matter where you go and just being told that like you're definitely going to struggle to get hired and like i had read a book a while back um it's by mindy kaling one of my favorite writers um if you guys don't know who mindy kaling is she is kelly kapoor on the office we stand in that in one of her books she talks about how she was trying to get a job because she's a screenwriter and so she was trying to get a job and she couldn't they literally told her like there's no place for a woman in a writer's room and she got fired Sheesh. at um i think it was like the late night show with like conan o'brien or something but she got so upset when she had to leave because they fired her for being a woman in a sense like basically kind of and so she got so angry that she stole a case of water on her way out. <laughs> and that was like, she was like, that was the only thing I could do without them thinking I'm some psycho. There's definitely not a lot of places for women in the writer's room, or at least back then, again, she was starting in the early 2000s. Now I feel like it's definitely changed. And I feel like at least in my, I want to go into like rom-coms and sitcoms. So I definitely feel like I have a place, but Lauren over here is going to horror. And so Lauren can definitely talk about like more of the experience of how there's so much more the real horror. <laughs> that sounds like I'm calling you a horror. No, I mean, I mean, like, the real, the real, oh, I'm so horror. sorry. Horror. The real horror is the sexism to f- that Correct. you will face. Facts. Because it's true. Like, rom-coms versus horror. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping there will be a place for me. Um, You'll make a place. I will... I'll pull up a seat at that table. Period. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Said, I'll make my own chair and everything. Literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if opportunity doesn't knock, build the door. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> that was my eighth grade yearbook quote. <laughs> wow. I love it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No. Um, it's hard to talk about because I'm still a student. We're both still students. And we're not in that industry yet. But I don't know. I think I think it's changing. Mm. I'd like to think that film, the industry in general, is evolving as much as it can. I think, like, our biggest, or at least my biggest worry leaving Biola and finally getting into the industry and, like, finding a job is just, like, am I here because, like, you guys want me here or is it because I'm a woman? And so hoping for the best, obviously, and that the seat I get at the table is because I deserve it for who I am as a writer. Um, 
but again hoping for the best and like all of that to come because overall like if you look in the industry like in general like not to be like sexist myself but like if you think like who's your favorite director like everyone thinks spielberg tarantino like mm. those are like big major guys like no one can really think of like a woman off the top of their head who directs Greta Gerwig. I'm like <laughs> Olivia Wilde. <laughs> but that's seriously so that's valid. But also like I feel like not enough time has passed. Like these conversations, the film industry I mean, I only know so much about the film industry, but I feel like the that world only opened up to women like so long ago. Mm-hmm. So they're still getting their like making their way in that world. But yeah, that is so valid though, like the the idea that like our main worry or I guess thought when you're like applying for a job is like am I getting this job because I actually am qualified or because they're just trying to meet a quota which I mean is an interesting thought in and of itself um so a few episodes back when I interviewed Sarah Schwartz and we were talking about purity culture she was talking about the chapel that she gave about that um in 2014 and me too was 2016 and so I feel like right like that was my freshman year of high school so I feel like I'm like we were kind of we've lived in the me too movement in the sense of like there's just a lot more of these like conversations about women in male spaces and um just a lot of the issues and struggles with that like women's voices were really uplifted in that movement and so it's just interesting because even like a few years before that like they weren't having these conversations so yeah i think like what alicia said super valid of like we're in a good direction but it's like when will this like maybe for our daughters it will be but it's like for us we're in kind of like this weird in between where it's like we there's the appearance that there's more women but then it doesn't feel like it's because we actually bring like value Mm. if that makes sense Mm. not if that makes sense it does it does. I just Jenna. said it did. I feel like that's such a thing that, like, <laughs> girls tend to do is, like, if that makes sense, after oh, everything that we yeah. say or, like, the, the oh, emails, sorry. The exclamation points. Like, yeah. Oh. <gasps> yeah. Please, we need to talk about that. I was texting this. <laughs> so I work for the yearbook, and I had this man let me know. He said, hey, queen. He did not say that. He said, <laughs> hey, hey I got your contact information from so-and-so. Uh, my stethoscope uh, got lost in the props for yearbook photos because I brought my stethoscope, and I set it down and forgot to get it, blah, blah, blah. He was like, oh, I need to, like, come pick it up. Like, or I want to look through your props and stuff. And I was like, sure. And I was just texting him with, like, periods and not. Like, I would just be like, okay, period. I'll be in the office time this time, period. And I was like, I bet I'm coming off so rude. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just am so blunt and harsh. Like, so mean. And I was like, <laughs> the way a man would text like this and not think twice. Mm-hmm. Like, actually. Literally. See, my dad does this thing where he's texting me and he'll put, like, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, oh, my God, <gasps> no, my dad's so mad at me. Yeah. <gasps> But yeah, he'll be like, okay, O and K, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, oh my God. I think between that of saying like, oh, like, sorry if I'm talking too much. Yeah. I could talk a million years about that. Good thing uh, Alicia named her podcast that. (laughs) Woo. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Just know that if you talk too much, I always think that I'm talking way too much, but always know that the people around you want to hear what you have to say and that you're always valid for what you're saying. Mm. They need to. Reminder, babe, you Mm. got this. Mm. So true. So true. (laughs) So pivoting off of that, we're going to talk about a buzzword, microaggression. What is a microaggression, you might be asking? Well, it's a term used for commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental slights, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups. So have you guys ever experienced microaggressions, or what are our thoughts do they still happen? Is that still a thing? Are they real? Are they valid? A hundred percent. May I quote Death by a Thousand Cuts by Taylor Swift? Please do. Because we were learning about microaggressions in RA training and we actually, like last year, and she used the example of like little cuts, like when you get a microaggression, basically, and if like you get one or two, it's like, okay, whatever, like you're fine. But when you hear those like all growing up, all in your adulthood, in the workplace, like all this stuff, you have like if you have freaking thousand of them, you're going to bleed out. Mm-hmm. But they're also minor that if you show someone, like, one, they're not going to care. Because mm-hmm. they're like, okay. It just pick up a friend was like, I got a paper cut. You'd be like, I'm sorry. Like, you're not, you're not going <laughs> to give it the same care as if they broke their leg or whatever. Yeah. But it still hurts. Paper cuts hurt so freaking bad. Let the record show. 
what do you two ladies have to say? I think like the first microaggression that maybe all of us have ever faced, if you've ever been asked, is literally just like, are you on your period? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I feel like that's just a little aggressive, but it's definitely <laughs> just seen as like a microaggression. I don't know what y'all think, but I think like another example I face is just like me and I talked about it in my blog post, not brown enough, little plug. Um, me and another plug. girl on our floor, we're just both brown, just so happened to be brown, had the same length of hair. Um, do not look similar. Do not look do similar. Not look we similar both just wore glasses we're and had long brown different hair. Clo- like completely different style. Yeah, completely different body types. Like we were the same height, maybe. If that. I don't think you are. I think either. she's taller than me. <laughs> I'm literally trying to justify this, which yeah. is not okay. Yeah. But girls would come up to us and like hug us and be like, oh my gosh, hey. And then say like our name. But like, obviously like we're going to say M. She's like, oh my God, hey M. And then it's me. And she's like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, uh-huh. Or they'd call out my name or like same thing. I had um, Henna on and some girl came up to me and was like, is that a cultural thing? <gasps> Cool. And I was trying to be so nice. I was like, oh, no, like, just got henna with my friends. And she's like, oh, okay. That is something, it just, that's not something that you should have to be dealing with, like, in your day-to-day or, like, in a rare day. That just, it <laughs> makes my blood boil. That's just not okay. And it's so hard because you, like, don't really garner empathy from people by sharing, like, a lot of the times sharing these because... Mm-hmm. If, like, to a guy listening, when he hears you say that saying that you're on your periods a microaggression, he'd be like, oh, women, like, those are so sensitive. They're so emotional, like, all that. But it's like, it clearly is because what, why are you saying that, you know? And it's because you want an excuse to invalidate what I'm experiencing and what I'm saying. So it's not the thing itself. It's the thing behind the thing. I also feel like there's a fine line between microaggression and gaslighting. Mm. Say more. It's because, like, the whole concept of, like, are you on your period, I feel like, is a microaggression. But when a guy or a girl or anyone is, like, oh, well, that's why you're so emotional or that's why you're being this way, it's just, like, I feel like that, in a sense, is gaslighting because it's just, like, you're being this way because of this. Mm. Um, I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, but I feel like that's definitely been, like, the case if, like, I've ever felt, like, oh, like, I don't really feel up to it. And it's just, like, well, you're only being like this because, like, you're bleeding. Hmm. She said, uh-huh. <laughs> no, and I said, I deserve to lay in bed. Yeah. yeah. With my little heated avocado. <laughs> I have a stuffed animal, to preface. I have a stuffed animal yeah. that you is like a heating pack. And I hold them on my belly. That's so cute. Just healing. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me, kind of, of... Me and Jenna were both RAs last year. I'm still an RA, but... She's, that's the, she's the best RA in the world. <laughs> that's a side of point. Go stew. <laughs> yep, yep. And I remember in training... We had a bunch of resources come in, and um, the person that led the dwelling, um, he just was kind of talking about how um, when you see someone, you can have an observation about them, right? Like, oh, they're a woman. They are white. They have different color skin than me. They have a bald head. All these different things, right? These observations. The observations aren't wrong, but it's a thought that follows the observation that's, like, the most important thing of, like, oh, like, they're a woman, they're annoying, or they're bossy. Like, okay, that's that's something that we should unpack, you know? So I think, like, the, the whole heart of microaggressions is, like, okay, having an observation about someone, but really examining the thought that comes after that observation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that that's something that... I guess comes to mind that's really good for like self-reflection even for yourself of like even if you think that you are self-aware and aren't like racist or sexist I bet you hold certain prejudices that you don't realize and I feel like going through that and being like oh wait that's because like media has portrayed uh, this group of people as this yeah. oh I was just gonna say like add to Alicia's point that like honestly I've never heard a man be described as bossy and I've always Mm. only heard women be described as bossy it's because they're supposed to be the boss right I also I have it in air quotes let the record show (laughs) I also feel like at a younger age it's like oh she's so bossy is like oh it's like a term of like not endearment but it's like it's like a term that's kind of cute but at what quoting kind of Taylor Swift and Phoebe Bridgers it's like at what age is this not cute anymore like when does bossy become a negative term for a woman yeah, hmm. I think even when we were talking about microaggressions, microaggressions, 
Um, I think I've, like, I mean, to an extent, I've experienced them, but I think the bulk of them, and it's just me, like, reflecting on my experience, like, they all come kind of out of joking manner where it's like maybe they're like my guy friends right and they I know that they love me but then they'll say these things that are kind of like I they're very obviously joking but like what happens when you don't laugh or like when it actually hurts like I've thought about like like when I know that they're joking but they're like oh that's just like my humor Mm. but I'm like am I the issue because I'm like feeling sensitive about this joke that was like a dig at the fact that I'm a woman mm. and it's almost like so biz- such a bizarre roast that like oh how could he even be truthful truthful about that but like I still think about it after the hangout is over or it's still something that kind of like makes my heart sink a little bit and I'm like am I just emotional or is or like sensitive or like like even just humor that's surrounded by like kind of sexist jokes like I think that there's like a niche community that think that thinks that that's like really funny but it's not and like honestly like it's hurt me more than it than it's made me laugh and if that's the only humor that you're like producing like I can like figure that out because take that all away like that's not funny and I think like there's so much harm done in that and like even just in humor right like that's what that's literally the setback like you're sending back (laughs) these women movements for like like what like the struggle of when you hear sexist jokes and not feeling valid like it feels so awkward in the moment to be like hey that hurt my feelings (laughs) hey and also that (laughs) lauren's like "Ah!" (laughs) that perpetuates also like the stereotype that women are sensitive Mm-hmm. Because guys, it's just because guys don't have the space to say that hurt my feelings. That's, in my I feel opinion. like usually true, when I have to say true. something hurt my feelings, I start tearing up and then I cry because I feel bad that I even mentioned it. Just going to put that out there. Mm, yeah. Literally, there's no, there's no way you can win when, like, usually I can, like, deflect or, like, but that's, like, the one thing that I'm, like, I don't find funny, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to be, like, that girl that's, like, well, that actually hurt my feelings, so stop. <laughs> but it's also like, but you I try to do my job. You yeah, you try being a woman. Seriously. You try wearing these heels for like eight hours. Facts. Yeah. Not saying all women wear heels, but when I have to do it, we do it. It's a struggle. Oh, that's I so stunned. The thing is, hot take, hot take. Sexist jokes, like Alicia said, there's no really good way to take them mm-hmm. without like belittling yourself, basically, which is boo. You don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like a opportunity to be sexist without accountability because you can't say you can but you can say that hurt my feelings and they'll say i was just kidding but then it's like what do you say like okay but what's like funny about like i don't understand and they're like oh i'm I'm just joking and you're like okay but it's not like i run into the issue where it's like i don't want to be like that's not funny you know like that but i want to be like genuinely that isn't funny like genuinely like i'm not laughing like if Mm -hmm. I've heard some good jokes that might be offensive, and I'm like, oh, oh, and you're like laughing, and you're like, I don't think I should laugh at this, like, this is bad. It's not even that. They're never funny. They're always like, right. they're always stupid, and that they're just like, they're so slight that you feel like you can't say anything, but then it just shows like the true, like, posture in their heart, because people, like, my boyfriend has never made a sexist joke to me. Period, and, Parker. As he should, yeah. because I would not tolerate that. Mm-mm. <laughs> Um, but it's like, I know so, so many girls I'm friends with will talk about the things their boyfriends say to them, like, as a joke. And I'm like, oh, ladies, there are men out there who don't hate you. I promise. (laughs) I promise. Seriously. (laughs) Especially if you're going to be the breadwinner. I'm not even going to get into it, but I'm just putting it out there. Know your place. Honestly. On both ends. (laughs) I feel like I tend to, like, default. I feel like we're going on, like, a whole tangent on this, but... I feel like we're going on, or sorry, I feel like my default when those like jokes come about, it's like emulate the cool girl, like the cool, yes. chill girl that I'm like, cool. I'll like maybe laugh it off and I'll be like, yep, like that's me mm-hmm. or like something like that. But then like I'll stop mm-hmm. and I'm like, that is so like, that is just encouraging that behavior. So I think like encouraging anyone who's listening to this like these are these jokes like yes they seem harm harmless but like they come like cuts 
and so many of them like you get to a certain point and then you're like wait like do these guys really care about me or does this person really care about me like Mm -hmm. they're saying this so I think like be weary of that kind of conversation that's surrounding you and like don't be afraid to just be like I'm not about that joke like Mm -hmm. if you want to make those jokes take them somewhere else but like I don't want to hear them and exercising that muscle of kind of defense because I think we become so complacent Mm. um and like we feel like almost embarrassed or like sensitive when we do stand up for those types of like microaggressions but like those are microaggressions like call it call it how it is you know Mm -hmm. and whether or not they're intended and I think it it's so hard to even like defend yourself because it feels so small like they're saying something so small but the thing is when you've heard that a hundred times the hundredth time you're like no I can't deal with this. And even if they say it and they aren't trying to be sexist or whatever, then you're going to explode and freak out. And then they're going to be like, oh, you're so emotional. Women are so, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a space for that. So to try to keep yourself from exploding is helpful too. Because then the moment you can just be like, oh, in the future, please don't say stuff like that. It's rude mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, no one likes hearing that. People get super uncomfortable because you're telling them they're wrong mm-hmm. and no one likes that. And so just be aware that, like, just you in that situation, that also, like, might feel awkward. So try to be, like, I don't know. Be like, hey, I know that you, like, don't think that about women. But when you Mm -hmm. say jokes like that, it it doesn't come off well. And I I know that you're better than that. And I don't want you to come off like that. Accountability. Yeah. Like, loving accountability. And as Christians, we have a... (laughs) Title. We have a very high standard of the way that we are supposed to treat people also just not belittling someone because it's just like we're all here for a purpose and for a reason and god has a reason for us yeah and also like something that i learned in so i took theology in high school and because we had catholic school we do like religion classes every year um in school we learned we were talking about the ten commandments and so we focused on thou shall not kill for that week in that lesson and everyone just assumes it's like murder but also like thou shall not kill someone's spirit like killing a piece of them it through their spirit so like just be mindful of like sometimes you'd make those jokes and it can like really hurt someone it, like even if you don't know that that's like really lowering their ego or lowering yeah. their spirit just always remember keep be, keep in mind that like you might hurt their feelings and if anything if you think it's out of pocket apologize it's better late it's better to apologize totally. later on than to never say anything about it and you just think that you hurt their feelings and you let it go yeah, yeah. like if you wouldn't say it to god or your mom to me. or your mom yeah for yeah real. exactly or your sister your yeah. cousins and yeah. your grandma Seriously. and it also sucks that we have to do that to be like would you say that to your sister it's just like <laughs> really i'm a, a human yeah why isn't it but that's like a good point for sure but it's like really like we still have to do that but like, sexism's a sin. 100%. You can't argue your way around it. I think, like, going back, I mean, and this is the last thing I'll say, is I think you run into two camps, and you could be kind of anywhere in that, um, especially as a woman, right? People who are really irritated by these, like, comments, jokes, and they're like, what the heck, I feel so put down. And then maybe another camp that's like, I don't care, like it's whatever it's kind of true or uh like yeah that was kind of out of left field but I don't really care like I'm cool (laughs) (laughs) but I think even just like if you do resonate with that second camp right and you're like I don't really care and these don't really affect me because I have a few friends that are like yeah I think they're kind of funny and but even like feeding into that sometimes can be just super counterproductive for the women around you you're not equipping the people around you to care for you well you're only just perpetuating that um that behavior and so i think just like being mindful of like the kind of conversations you're saturating your community with and yeah that's kind of the last thing i'll say but i just encourage you guys to just like take a se- t- like take a step back and just like kind of observe what kind of conversations are happening what kind of jokes are being made and if they're building you up rather than and each other up rather than tearing you down but yeah lauren do you have something to say um yeah i guess like those types of jokes seen as like very casual by men are definitely like i feel like i've heard a lot about those types of jokes being like in the workplace and stuff and like Mm -hmm. women feeling uncomfortable in those spaces um and like 
sorry <laughs> like Kaylee was saying like this isn't meant to be like a lecture or a lesson to men or you know anyone in general but I will say that like if you are a woman in a workplace or a space where like you do feel there's conversation that kind of like belittles you on the basis of your gender or like stuff like that I just feel like especially where we are where we're at right now too just like women in the workplace trying to you know be girl bosses and like (laughs) be bosses in general um chase that bag like Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we do have to kind of be like the bigger person unfortunately and like being able to speak up isn't necessarily like a privilege that we always have in those spaces so um while we can do that like with our friends and stuff I think that's really important but yeah just like knowing knowing that it's something that we'll find in different spaces and places loving accountability is Mm. such an important part of our faith um but lauren's so right that there's like there's a time and a place for that kind of thing and it's definitely easy for me to go into lecture mode because i'm like oh you need you need (laughs) like i go into preacher mode i feel like but that just comes from a place of like deeply caring about this sort of thing but that's like that's not what changes people's hearts you also first have to set that example and make sure that you're not speaking badly about other because you can't be like you can't be mean to this group of people but then you're doing that to other people Mm. as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah i want to hear your guys' advice for biola women or any women listening on how to step out in their gifting uh, to be resilient, to garner insight and develop tenacity despite feeling small in male-dominated spaces, whether that's, like, classes, workspace. Like, what would you say if, like, your friend was, like, telling you that? I think just something that comes to mind is encouraging kind of, like, creating spaces. Maybe they're not, like, completely, like, 100% women, but I think having, like, safe spaces, like, there is something really special about, like, I'm gonna say space a lot in these next few sentences. I can just feel it, <laughs> but like creating spaces like with women that create solidarity, vulnerability, like chance to ex- share your experience. Like if you are in a male-dominated s- space or like class, job, career field, whatever. Um, I think having that balance. Not saying that you can't interact with men, but like I think like step out share your experience um problem solve go like talk about things like understand that your feelings are valid and you're never being too sensitive or too emotional or whatever um but like identify the issues that you're having identify what's causing them and like do what you gotta do to fix them so yeah but (laughs) (laughs) I think like using this energy that you're like if you're pissed off about something like Mm -hmm. taking it to another woman and because you're probably going to get more empathy there (laughs) for for the most part and so I think like using that to deepen your empathy and your um, friendships is really good and being able to create that space with your friends where you're vulnerable like this hurt my feelings and even if they don't agree that it should have hurt your feelings, like, if they're your friend, they're going to care that it hurt your feelings. And so I think using that um, is a way to be resilient and develop your tenacity because it's easy to let it, like, harden your heart. But unfortunately, we have to love our enemy. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm always reminded of that, like, how countercultural that um, teaching actually is. Like, even when I'm really upset and pissed off, in one of my classes if the mm-hmm. if a guy's like mistreating me or something like obviously love doesn't mean like tolerate it but like not harboring that hatred in your heart and like giving it up to god and being like okay this is really upsetting but i know that this is not what you think of me and i need your grace right now to not go crazy <laughs> right now because i've definitely had to pray that but i think just using these things using that energy to grow yourself close to the lord and your friends um is going to develop something that's like how grit got started you know like it's going to develop something that's meaningful and helps others connect than just like being the angry feminist Mm. i have in quotes but yeah 
I think kind of going off of Jenna and just like the whole concept of kind of loving the enemy kind of a thing is also just like you can also be your own worst enemy and I know oftentimes I am Mm -hmm. and just like remembering to love yourself and by loving yourself like that means asking for help like when you need help like going Mm -hmm. to pastoral care if I'm sure if you went up to any of us at a great event and was like can I get coffee with you just to talk about this topic I'm sure any of us would be totally open to it yeah please do ask for our numbers find us on instagram absolutely anything i feel like all of us would love to be here and support you as a resource on campus that is our number one priority um but i feel like going off of that just like also ways that you can help yourself or kind of love yourself and help yourself is literally asking for help in classes if you're struggling in a bible class ask another girl next to you i'm sure she'd love to help you or ask your professor even if it seems scary or nerve-wracking just ask even if you're you have a question during class just ask I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like you have the space to talk, but just make it for yourself. I know that sounds so much easier said than done, but just do it. Just go for it. The pit in your stomach will go away eventually. Just go for it, girl. Slay. <laughs> you couldn't hear Lauren because she doesn't speak. Slay. Up, but she said slay. Slay. All right. Yeah, that's my advice. No, um, no I think <laughs> she's like, with that, with bye, that. Girl boss, get cute. I think it's a great point, though, off of Kaylee's. Like, that's why we're here. Like, literally, we are a resource for all y'all girlies. Um, um, I was just going to say, like, also just one note to the CMA girlies out there. Um, just, like, kind of... Uh, my advice would be to first off like believe in yourself and I know that's something that's really hard to do especially in classes and spaces where sometimes guys have a very loud voice and yours just doesn't feel like it's worthy um, or as valuable uh, or even like your writing or your short films and stuff like that but like we all have something to say and that's like the beauty of film and that like you know, I would say get yourself on sets and yeah, just make your talents known because they are equally valuable as men's. Thank you guys for all coming on today. It was great talking about this. Um, And just to hear everyone's different perspectives and advice is so life-giving and great. So I hope that you guys listening uh, were able to get a lot out of this episode. Um, If you wanna hear more from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Grid at Biola, and we will have different resources. We'll be posting about our events and such. Um, but yeah, just like Kaylee said, if you're ever at an event and, or you're not gonna come to an event, but then you're like, wait, this guy said this is my class and I feel bad about myself. Come to our event and we will help you. <laughs> and if that just means l- listening and being like, that sucks and that makes sense that are your feelings. Or do you do that? Huh? Or DM us. Yeah, you can totally DM us. Um. <laughs> we appreciate you guys for listening, and we hope to see you guys listening soon. Yeah. And don't forget, you do bring something to the table always, so live in that truth this week, and we're sending you love. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Did I Talk Too Much? If you enjoyed this week's episode, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. To make sure you don't miss an episode every other week, be sure to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well to get the latest updates on upcoming events, new blogs, and question boxes where you have the chance to have your questions answered on the podcast. Our Instagram is at grit at Biola. Our blog is linked in our Instagram bio where you can hear from our staff writers and read more about our mission. Thanks again for tuning in. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily represent the beliefs of Biola University or the GRIT Editorial Board. All content is designed to inspire and challenge GRIT listeners to explore their gifting, foster resilience, gain insight, and develop tenacity.